Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Trending Left. My name is Nicholas Cobb. I'm Marco Wajardo. And I'm Andrew. Yeah, so um, Sam is not in the pod this week. He is out in Houston um, doing whatever he's doing. Uh, so it's going to be a three-man show this week. Yeah. And we are going to be basically exclusively talking about um, the tragedy that happened earlier this week in Las Vegas. It is now considered the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history with around, I think, 59 dead and over 500 injured. Yeah. Obviously, this is a horrific, horrific tragedy. And we need to start discussing, you know, what are the policy consequences? What's going to come of it? Where do we see this debate going and why? And what are some solutions? So let's just go around the room a little bit and let's start talking about this. Yeah, so I absolutely agree that um, all the criticism that people have for Republicans in Congress right now, um, that is, you know, stop sending your thoughts and prayers to victims and mm -hmm. actually do something about it, Yeah, uh, is, is absolutely right. We have had legislative session after legislative session, both here in Texas and in the Capitol. And we have seen both times a party that refuses to put um, big dollar donations from the NRA and the will of their um, you know, political base behind them and to actually stand up for American lives and American, American human decency. Um, it is about time that we have common sense gun reform. And I mean that in, in the biggest sense, common sense, because the majority of gun owners, even in the NRA, approve of common sense background checks, they approve of um, limiting access to things like bump stocks and silencers that are important to making guns safer. I don't think the right policy proposal at this time is to ban guns entirely. Obviously, I think in a perfect society, we wouldn't have any need for them. Yeah. But I think right now, public opinion is showing that banning assault weapons is the right way to go, eventually moving towards probably some handguns. But I think, I think the Democratic Party is on the right track. They've been pushing the legislation for years now. Um, it's just a matter of getting Republicans finally on board. Exactly, and you know, a lot of the Republicans are taking money from the NRA, so if they're funding their campaigns, why would they want to stop doing this? And in fact, on, on the uh, thoughts and prayers note that you were mentioning earlier, I saw this article that was saying pretty much all the people who are receiving money from the NRA aren't trying to push forward any common sense gun legislation, but rather they're just saying thoughts and prayers. It's just a passive way of trying to fool people into thinking that they actually care about this issue when they don't. And it's just a shame. Yeah. So, um, I was listening to a podcast earlier this week that brought up, was it trending left? It was not trending left. Oh, it was um, not trending left. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't listen to trending left. Um, <laughs> yeah, the people there are pretty annoying to listen to. No, but True. I was listening to, <laughs> listening to a podcast this week that brought up a really interesting point that I hadn't considered. Uh, it was basically saying that when Democrats talk about gun control and they talk about introducing things that are already, you know, polling at well over 80 to 90 percent approval from the American people, they always have to preface it with something like, you know, I'm for the Second Amendment or as an avid sportsman, I believe this and I don't have anything against gun owners. You know, they, we have allowed the NRA and the radical right to control the, the, the conversation so much that it is almost impossible to start talking about something like this without having to preface it with, I'm not here to eliminate the Second Amendment, when, when really either that is a policy that needs to be explored or isn't even being seriously considered, like eliminating the Second Amendment and making and like removing the, the right to own a firearm from the gravity of the Constitution, right? I, I, the, the podcast is really interesting because it kind of brought up this idea that you know, are most Democratic politicians, do they even care that, like, this is an amendment that if Democrats had their way, 
would it just be something that is regulated and doesn't have the full force of the Bill of Rights? I don't know. That's not what we're answering here. Uh, but it was just really curious to me to see the dichotomy between how Democrats and Republicans talk about guns and how they view, you know, just the idea of like the Second Amendment in general. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like my my take on it, like from from like a more outs- outsized sort of view. So I think you're absolutely right about us not having to lead with the idea of pandering to gun owners. But I think the important thing is to, is to educate people who are frankly think that the entire Democratic platform or just liberal left leaning platform is to show up to their house and take their guns away from them. Right. I think it's, you know, people buy guns for one of many reasons, obviously, but I think the big one that we often hear from Tea Partiers is like, <clears throat> to protect yourself from the overreaching government. You know, yeah. well, right now the government's overreaching and it's not Democrats, right. or Republicans. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, you know, the, the, the thing to really preach to people is that's not what the policy proposals are. It's to make the purchase of guns, the sale of guns, the transfer of guns safer. It's not to you know go around and take your guns away because you're a white Christian male and put you in a FEMA death camp like what Alex Jones preaches about. Right. It's it's not something as unrealistic as that. It is something that other major countries have done, it like Australia in response to large scale mass shootings, like not even as big as what we saw in Las Vegas. But these events have spurred them to realize that this is a common sense safety measure for citizens for citizens and that it needs to be addressed. Yeah, and and. In, in Australia, they did that immediately, too. Mm-hmm. And we've been struggling and, and straddling the line between inaction versus very, very little action. I mean, when, when the Pulse nightclub shooting happened, you know, last year, I think maybe I think it may have been about 13 or 14 months ago, um, you know, Democratic Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut, he went to the floor of the Senate. The filibuster. He filibustered. He held up, you know, just some routine budget bill. And, and talked about gun control, and this is a guy that has authority to talk about this issue because the Newtown massacre occurred, you know, I think during his tenure and under uh, in his state. So he went and he filibustered for 15 hours trying to force a vote on some very, very you know baseline foundational gun reform that I think most Americans could get behind, and that frankly may not even do that much to to stop massacres from happening, but it will do just a little bit to maybe prevent some people from owning guns. And that bill didn't pass because of the NRA and the hard right. And I'm going to bring up a point that my colleagues here are going to be surprised that I bring up, but the NRA funds Democrats too. No, there are, no, there, yeah, no, there are, no, 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 like they're surprised that I'm going to be talking about it. You know, Calling like about right now, Henry Quaylar. Okay. It's Henry Quaylar. That's one. <laughs> Two. Yeah, no, he's one of the only Democrats in the House that receives funds from the NRA. Not a lot, um, but you know, it's a little surprising to me because he is my congressman back home, and it's very disappointing. Also, our favorite, Joe Manchin, receives quite a bit from the NRA. I think he also has a small role in like stopping some of these things from happening, uh, among others. But largely, the Democratic apparatus is you know, anti-NRA. The vast majority of congressmen and senators from the Democratic Party don't receive funds from the NRA. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at sides here to side with, it's not. And, and when we look at our, the statements being put out by Democrats, you know, they're all saying, "Well, our thoughts go out to the to the to the victims." But here are some policy proposals that we can do to prevent this stuff from happening. Uh, you know, Chris Murphy was on it. Elizabeth Warren was on was on it. Even Hillary Clinton was on it. In fact, she called out the NRA in her statement, you know, directly. So when you look at these tragedies as they're happening. Ask yourself, is the Republic are the Republicans on your side or is it the vast majority of Democrats? And here's one thing that irritates me. Uh, often after all of these mass shootings, you hear a lot of people talking about it's not a good time to talk about these issues. <laughs> let let them mourn. 
That is, that's utter nonsense to me. When are we gonna talk about this? When are we gonna take action on this? Again, that's what I'm saying. It's just being passive and ignoring the issues. I, I, that, that just irritates me personally. And that's ridiculous because you, I mean, you could get a minority killing a white person in this country and the Republican Party would ask for their head the very next day. Exactly. Yep. They want action immediately, but whenever it's... There's a war on white Christian America. Whenever it's mm -hmm. children, whenever it's minorities being killed, whenever it's you know people at a concert, they don't know who they are. They can't defend them because they don't look like them necessarily. And that, at that point, they just defend to their base, which is the NRA, and just hope that they can you know, continue to, to take that money and to you know, slow the process through gradualism. I want to get your guys' take on the mental health aspect of it, yep. of, of this issue, obviously. It's very closely tied to veterans affairs and things like that, um, which is another area, area where the Republican Party has continuously campaigned on that, on the idea of taking care of our you know, servicemen and women. But then they don't do anything when they come home. They offer them a bureaucratic system at the VA that does not provide adequate mental health treatment. And in general, people across the country are suffering from opioid addiction, other things like that, as well as just general mental, mental disorders. So how do you guys feel the best way to approach this would be if you were a Democrat, you know, campaigning right now or in office right now, like what message would you use? Yeah. So the mental health thing I have noticed is kind of a, it's, it is a real problem, obviously, but it's also used as a deflection from the right. You know, as they're talking about avoiding gun control, they say, well, make it about mental health. You know, it's the mental health of the person. He should not have had a gun to begin with because he, you know, is mentally disabled. Okay, then practice what you preach mm -hmm. and let's start getting some bills through the Congress that increase funding for, for mental health research. Yes. That increase funding for proper mental health hospitals that are not asylums from the 18th century, some of which are still in operation, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I read a statistic somewhere that said that the vast majority of mental health treatment and counseling is done, are done in prisons. Wow. In, in correctional facilities. This is exactly the wrong way to go about mental health. You know, in this country, we have an obesity epidemic. We have an epidemic with diabetes, but we also have a mental health epidemic that is not getting nearly enough attention. And when it does get attention, it's mainly to deflect uh, attention away from another issue that desperately needs solving, which is the fact that it is so easy to get a gun. It's so easy for anyone to get a gun. So when it comes to addressing the policy head on, we have to start offering solutions and offering, you know, and you know, some Republicans are gonna like this, but start offering some big government solutions that say, I'm the federal government and, I'm gonna, and we're gonna start funding uh, proper mental health research and proper mental health facilities you know, by the billions in every single state, in every county, and start saying, if you have an issue, if you're a veteran that has post-traumatic stress disorder, among other things, or if you're not a veteran, or if you're anyone that's suffering from these problems that we're still trying to understand, but come to these facilities and let us help you. Let the federal government help you. Let your state government help you. Um, you know, if part of it comes from the VA, part of it comes from the Department of Health, but really it, it's gonna shine through on our platform and we offer this to people as real comprehensive veterans care and, and just real comprehensive, you know, American citizen care, really. It all comes back to healthcare. Yeah, that's my sentiments exactly. Yeah. Andrew, you have, a, you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I think you're absolutely right. It has to be local care, but obviously as, as we've seen with state funding, um, they don't put it towards the places where it matters. The places like VA hospital, the hospitals, um, investing in actual mental health care facilities versus putting it back into the private prison system, yeah. which yeah. is what currently happens. I think the most important thing as far as campaigning on this, and I, I kind of disagree with you in the sense that like, you, it's, it is not a separate issue, I think, from gun safety. I think you have to campaign with mm -hmm. it together saying that you know it's not a necessarily a, a deflection because I, I've never really heard Republicans campaigning on the idea that like, oh, you know, these people are all 
suffering from something and it's not just because they're hateful. I've never heard that as much as I have. They, they like, do it, but I mean, that, yeah. I think I think I hear it probably more than you, which is why I, br I bring it up. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to say that there's that so much that they're a separate issue that they're deflecting it and they are treating it as a separate if issue. Any, if anything, I hear just outright deniance that these people are terrorists if they're mm. white, mm -hmm. that, anyone, that anyone who kills a young black youth or a young Latino youth in this country um, is, is not doing an injustice. I think there's also racial lines, obviously, that, that have to do with gun control. The mm. idea that... Um, you know, black on black crime is what's wrong with America is, <sighs> is absurd. The idea that, you know, just because you you live in a place that is notoriously, you know, quote unquote ghetto means that you, you know, your only choices in life are to work in McDonald's or be shot by the time you're 30. I think we need to, we need to be focusing heavily on local communities, community policing, things like that. This is, you know, a separate issue, obviously, but still closely tied in with all of this. Um, how do you guys feel like this, this intersects with race and with community relations with police and with the federal government? Um, so I do want to, yeah, like getting to your point and your question, I do want to talk briefly about um, the right's response to this particular mass shooting, especially when it comes to our good friends on Fox News. Their, their whole ethos has been to um, say, well, where's the motive? You know, is he, you know, why did he do this? And... Um, like they're questioning like why there isn't information about this guy's motive because you know he I kind of want to speak on yeah that. he's like okay, a sixty the, the guy was like a sixty year old white guy you know he obviously couldn't do this because he had other issues or you know the area that he that he acted on it wasn't by my understanding it wasn't a primarily like minority dominated area you know the concert please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so when they're talking about that, they want to kind of refuse that there's an issue, they refuse to acknowledge that there's an issue with mental health reform and with gun reform. They kind of want to deflect and start talking about motive. Yeah. But on the flip side, if it's a, you know, a person of color, an African-American, an Hispanic or, or whomever that does, that commits an act, a horrible act of violence, they want to start saying, well, you know, it's because they don't have American values yeah. or, or, or whatever you want. And, and, and if you're a person of color, you've been hearing this your entire life. Mm -hmm. That you're not, you, know, you don't have hardworking American values or whatnot because you're not white. So to, to call out other media sources as well, I don't think Fox News is the only one to blame no, as far as as far as the motive search. Mm -hmm. I think what we see anytime that there is something like the Newtown shooting, um, you know, Sandy Hook, that type of thing, there is always a four-hour-long biopic made, you know, for MSNBC or, or CNN about the killer. You know, mm -hmm. and this is obviously a criticism that people in American society have of media that it glorifies possibly um, school shooters and things like that. So I, I think we have to shift blame onto just the media and it's, it's wanting for a narrative in general. I think, and, and this is something I, I was talking about on Facebook, I, I labeled the attack as domestic terrorism. Mm -hmm. right. I, had, I had someone that I know personally comment on my, the post saying, well, we can't call it terrorism because we don't know what the guy's motive was. And this is a progressive who commented this. But my response was, anytime that you know, 60 people are gunned to death, it's terrorism, plain and simple. Um, what I did say, however, was obviously you can look at the person who committed the act and the act independent of the person separately. Meaning that flat out, I'm gonna call any mass shooting terrorism, but if the person has mental health issues, obviously at that point, I am less likely to label them as a terrorist, if that makes sense to you guys. Yeah. I think, I think we have to be careful to, to not necessarily, you know, hate the person, vilify them completely if there are issues that are, you know, that were not solved by our government, by our society, that they, that caused them to, to commit such atrocious acts. 
But if it's obviously someone who has um, radic been radicalized by something, who had a political agenda, then you know, denounce the person. So that's my take on as far as like the whole motivation thing. Like we should not be prioritizing that. We should be prioritizing the fact that in the you know in the first few days, people have lost loved ones. We have to we have to care about that. We have to move forward on political and you know policy progress for the American people to stop it from ever happening again. And then, you know, a month, two months down the road, okay, let's talk about the motive. Let's see, for this particular person, what was the issue, where can we solve it? But exactly, and uh, this is something I feel the media doesn't do a very good job on. Whenever these shootings happen, it's always about, oh, what's the shooter, what's the motive? They never talk about the victims. They only talk about, you know, oh, the shooter did this, the shooter did this. And in a sense, that's not good because it can trigger more of these mass shootings in a sense. You always see, and sometimes see in the mass shootings that people are inspired by previous mass shootings mm -hmm. like uh, Columbine and yeah. whatnot. So I feel like a good way, uh, another issue, another thing to be solved is don't cover the shooting from the angle of the shooter, cover it from the angle more so of the victims because yeah. if you do it like that, it creates less sensationalism. It, it, and then you frame it more as a tragedy. You frame it as this is a bad thing, not oh, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next with the shooter? Focus it on focus it on news. Focus it yes. on real stories of real Americans who are suffering from a tragedy, rather than focusing on creating some sort of you know two hour long drama that you can just show and hope that it gets a lot of views. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about motives and everything? Like that's job for law enforcement. You know, the FBI and, and local law authorities are gonna are gonna figure that out on their own. You know, from their own time. You know, from the shooting, um, the media should be focused on what are politicians saying about it. What are the victims saying? I mean, Republicans were. You know, they Repu Republicans didn't want to hear from the fam from the loved ones of victims of Newtown when they were begging for common sense gun reform. And uh, this is ridiculous. Like, how how much closer to the source can you possibly get? before we start seeing some real action on this issue. Um, so as it, as it concerns the media, you guys are absolutely right. It, we are dramatizing and turning, turning horrific events into you know, primetime dramas, mm -hmm. basically, when there are already enough primetime dramas that glorify crime and, and, and murder and homicide. Um, so when they're not focusing enough on you know what are what are the parties saying what are our elected leaders saying about this as our you know when law enforcement comes out and they say this guy did it because of x y and z until that happens it's all about what's the response from our government what are what are the highest rungs of the administration saying about this and from what we can tell they're not saying a lot right now you know the trump administration has been noticeably either quiet or they're saying things like you know thoughts and prayers but this, not actually this, offering. This is a guy who joked that he could gun somebody down yes. in public yeah. and not lose any votes. Okay, yeah. this is someone who has shown time and time again that through his uh, flagrant behavior and you know careless use of words and just general cozying up to the radical right, that he doesn't care. He just doesn't care about being insensitive. He does not care if people who do not matter to him, who aren't in his base, die. Plain and simple. And that kind of sentiment fuels more of this uh, domestic terrorism, white nationalism, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's, that's deeply tied into this. The whole you know, Pizzagate scandal and mm -hmm. things like that. The idea that you know, this guy could go and shoot up a restaurant because you know, people like Alex Jones and you know, Breitbart are pushing these, these theories that are insane and they cause people to do this stuff. And you know, maybe some of those people have mental health, health issues and obviously that draws back a lot to what we were already talking about. But some of them are, some of them are just provoked to do it.
by that idea that you have to take action and the only way to do that is with a gun and with a vengeance. Yeah, I mean, can we start talking about the whole uh, a good guy with a gun thing that the right loves to champion? Uh, have, you, have you guys seen that clip that's been floating around like Facebook? Uh, the guy who's he's at like a Starbucks and okay. someone in front of him, you know, pulls a gun on the cat on the re- on the cash register. And so this guy's thinking, oh, I'm a good guy with a gun. I'm gonna right. save this guy. And it's like in an open carry state, quote unquote. Of course. So all of, all of a sudden, this guy pulls a gun on the on the robber, and then the cashier pulls a gun on both of them, and then this other you know, bystander pulls a gun. It's like, do we ever really hear stories of people like heroically saving the day in a bank or in a liquor store or in a restaurant or in a gas station? Of course I mean, you don't, because in high te- and intense situations like that where it's life or death, and if you're not a trained professional. You simply, more likely than not, can't can't navigate your way through that and, situation. And we saw some of that at the Las Vegas shooting. There have been stories coming out of people, you know, who were saying that they were like, you know, card carrying NRA members and professionals, you know, handgun uh, have handgun licenses, and they were running away from the scene. Yeah, and it's just like, I mean, just because you have a gun does not mean in that moment that you're going to be trained to handle the stress, to handle the pressure, and to use it. Exactly, or even, even or use it responsibly. Yeah. Guns escalate situations like point blank. You you have a situation where you know maybe it's not even a homicide ongoing. Maybe it's some you know potential assault. You you bring out a gun, you're going to escalate that situation, and and you're going to increase the likelihood that someone's going to die. Um, you know you we saw this we we saw this criticism when you know on our own campus there was a stabbing and people were saying things like oh you know. Uh, if they had guns and not dildos, some stupid, ridiculous thing. And, like, this especially – that whole argument that already has, like, especially – like, it already grates on my nerves because of what we as UT students have been hearing, you know, after, like, our own horrific tragedy that happened. And now that that is coming up again with this horrible shooting where, you know, <clears throat> in such a high-trafficked area, high-density area – where I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the shooters were in an elevated state. They were, yeah. I don't know how you can pull out a gun and not make the situation any worse by trying to find the guy shooting, probably end up maiming or shooting innocent bystanders. Anyone who was there had a handgun with them at best, probably. The idea that you, I mean, you can't shoot someone who's 32 feet up with a, you know, 32 floors up with a handgun. Unless you're trained. You know, unless you've I don't, been, no, I don't even well, think look, the ballistics would, would work but, in that situation. But you know what I mean? Like, unless you've been properly trained you know, to, to, to snipe and you have the proper gun, like, it's going to be almost impossible to shoot someone when you don't know where it's coming from, when there's so much chaos around. So you, all you're doing is just making the situation worse. And, and if you're there and you, know, you end up in an altercation with police who think that you're actually the, the shooter and not yeah. trying to help, yeah. that just makes it worse. In the chaos of a moment, you want to have the least amount of guns as possible. And I know that it's hard to hear because the only gun that's being fired upon is being fired, you know, in a malicious intent. And anyone that wants to add a gun probably wants to do it for, for good motives, and, and we respect that. But the yeah, fact absolutely. of the matter is it's going to make the situation a lot worse, and, and you can probably end up causing more injuries and, and causing more issues for your, for your own life and your own well-being. Exactly, and even I saw something from one of the, like, security guards for the person who was performing at the time of the shooting. Even he was saying, yeah, there was nothing I could have done. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's horrific. And when you have a situation where not even increased security can save the day, where not even a quote-unquote good guy with a gun can save the day, what else is there than to prevent these guns from even being distributed? 
And that's what the Democratic Party wants to do, or at least most Democratic politicians. That's what that's the legislation we're trying to craft. At the moment, the, the, the thing with bump stock, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's fine. Obviously, we want to prevent, we want to have the least amount of fully automatic weapons as possible, but that's just a baby step forward. And since we're in a Republican Congress, this is the best that we think we can do to at least stop some of this chaos and madness. But it's not the end. The Republicans were, that have seemingly been given a free pass by the NRA to pursue this issue and to say, okay, fine, bump stocks are fine to be talking about. You know, for the Republican Party, that's all they're going to do. For the Democrats, or at least on the progressive side, that's just step one. I mean, that's step 0.5 I think this whole I, thing. I, I heard Joe Biden speak here on campus last week. And at one, at one point, they asked him about the shooting, obviously. It was probably the most recent um, political event that had happened in the news. And he mentioned you know, that Republicans are always talking about the idea of innovation in certain marketplaces. Well, all right, get on board with that. Let's try and actually make fingerprint locks for guns. It's, it's a common sense safety reform. You know, even if you keep a gun locked in a cabinet in your house and your you know, son who has a mental illness or your neighbor who has a mental illness, you know, all the stories that we commonly hear about people stealing guns, they can't use it because it just does not work for them. Mm -hmm. Let's truly innovate guns to be as safe as possible, as few as possible. You know, let's actually make some progress, not just forward on the policy side here, but on the technology side point. Yeah. I mean, there's so much government, there's also so much good that government can do to say, to offer, you know, tax breaks for gun manufacturers that do, that enhance their guns with these safety measures. But Republicans don't want to pursue that because it's either, you know, big government or government trying to take away your guns and, and, and whatnot. And the fact of the matter is all of this stems from the fact that the NRA is so well organized. We've been here, you know, as, as you know, analysis of, of this event is ongoing, we hear a lot of articles that really make the fact that the NRA knows how to organize their, their supporters. You know, any little thing that comes up, you know, for a vote or for a committee hearing that even smells like a little bit of gun control they send their people out there and they, and they go crazy and they make hell. What does is, what is gun control smell like? Yeah, I don't know. It smells like, you know, saving lives. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. smells like last, common sense. <laughs> yeah, it smells like common well, sense. Last, uh, last question for you guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested. This is something back from the primary from last year. Okay. Um, the idea of suing gun manufacturers. How do you guys, how do you guys feel about that? I disagree it, with that. Yeah, that, that to me sounds like suing car manufacturers for like accidents and like people using their cars as weapons which happens like suing plane manufacturers like boeing for that kind of thing that's what it sounds like to me exactly. I, I agree with you guys i don't i never understood why hillary was making that point or yeah. why why so many people were in support of it to me it just seems yeah. like a slippery, a slippery slope I very think, slippery i think the important point is you know to me that just opens up a whole can of worms mm -hmm. logistically mm -hmm. and bureaucratically i think the important thing is to regu you know heavily regulate the gun industry and make sure that you know its very nature of selling weapons means that it should be heavily regulated by the government. It means that we have to prioritize um, if these industries are going to exist at all, which I, I think is pretty hard to stop at this point, yeah. just considering how how you know entrenched entrenched they are mm -hmm. in American society and our marketplaces. That they have to be safe, they have to be effective. Um, but I, I don't think that we can necessarily just stop them from selling something. You know, or, or say that like if you if you happen to sell a product to someone who owns a gun store and then they you know take someone through all the background checks and all the processes that us liberals us progressives want to institute right. that even then if someone who is perfectly sound of mind but has an awful political agenda decides they want to you know kill someone that at that moment you can sue the manufacturer 
I think if anything, yeah. I mean, sue the gun owner if the gun owner happens to make a mistake or doesn't follow protocol or, you know, the background checks. But it, I mean, the only time yeah. like the manufacturer should be sued is if they're deliberately or if they do something that makes the gun either less safe yeah, or, or they're being careless or, or, something, or right? they're, they're skirting some of the regulations. If it becomes known that, oh, they kind of botched the background check, they, they decided to let the sale go on anyway, mm-hmm. even though there were glaring issues with like law enforcement and whatnot. Like then, I think that's more like a case of negligence, which can absolutely yeah. go to the courts. Yeah, but absolutely. you know, suing gun manufacturers because of the type of the type of gun and the gun manufacturer and the seller were perfectly, you know, they were fine. They were they were complying with all of the states and municipalities' laws regarding guns. I don't think it's fair to sue the gun manufacturer because, like I said, we end up going with the slippery slope. Like you know, now it's the car manufacturer, the sue? knife manufacturer. Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly what I was yeah. thinking. I mean, because. Here in Texas, we have this ridiculous law now where you can open carry swords, which, which is ridiculous. I mean, yeah. we're living in medieval Texas. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I completely agree with you. The idea that you know you could sell a kitchen knife or you know a steak knife, something like that, and right. someone stabs someone else with a steak knife. Right. It's just, I mean, it's ridiculous. The idea that like a person's intent and motive, if they're sound of mind, does not does not come into play there and is not superseding the manufacturer to me is is a little ridiculous. Right. I mean, there are so yeah. many there are so many objects that are sold. That are not, you know, conducive to regulations. Yeah. Like a chair, or like looking around the room right now, I see like a laundry hamper with lots of like, steel, we, like, like aluminum we rods. Could, we could, we that could, can we be could, used to kill someone. We could, we could play Clue and use the candlestick and everything. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. So yeah. like, it's, yeah. it. Let's, let's just start looking at what are the things that can prevent gun deaths, and, and let's start with there and, and, and go from there. All right, guys. So thank you for listening to another bite-sized episode of Trending Left. Uh, next week. We're going to try our best and make sure we get a, we have a guest star on and have a full-size episode. Sam, of course, will be back next week as well. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Bye.